to the very first episode of Today in Education. My name is Diana Cervantes, and soon enough you'll get to meet my classmates who were actually a part of my school project. So this podcast is actually born from our school project. It's our assignment, and we decided to create a podcast that will reach educators for the purpose of implementing ethnic studies. We know that implementing ethnic studies is something that can be sort of difficult or it's like really new untouched ground. But luckily for us and for you guys, we actually got in touch with um, a couple people who have already started this journey of implementing ethnic studies. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking to Leilan Hewen. She actually developed and created the ethnic studies curriculum for the Oakland Unified School District. And what's really cool about her curriculum is that it starts from K through 12. Most of the time we see ethnic studies being implemented from high school and maybe middle school, but never really from the K through 5. So here we're actually going to be able to talk about implementing ethnic studies through a large array of grade levels from K through 12, which is super amazing and you guys are in for a really good treat. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, uh, my name is Giselle Alvarez. I'm a third year studying ethnic studies and education at Berkeley. And I'm Ella Bott. I'm a second year at UC Berkeley and I'm studying social welfare and education as well. Should I introduce myself? Yeah. <laughs> All right, my name is Lailan Hewen, and I am uh, part of the Oakland Unified School District. I work in our Office of Equity, and I am a program manager for our Asian Pacific Islander students. Um, and I'm also working on ethnic studies work here in the school district. But um, I'm born and raised here in Oakland, um, and my parents uh, went to UC Berkeley. Um, I went there for a little bit, and uh, they were were part of the Third World Liberation Front um, in the 60s and helped create Asian American studies. Is that how you got involved in ethnic studies? Because your, your parents come to me? Yeah. That's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, growing up, yeah, knowing about it. Um, when I was in high school in the 90s, um, there was the hunger strike, the, the 1996 hunger strike at UC Berkeley to, you know, continue fighting for uh, ethnic studies funding and professors, you know, and the programs. And so I, you know, that was kind of my first real introduction to it. You know, I, I had heard it being talked about before that, but it was my first real introduction to the struggle. <laughs> um, and so, you know, was there, yeah, when people were, you um, protesting and rallying and um you know after people were arrested and it was it was it was an education it was a, a lesson in um what was happening in universities across the country and then uh when I went to school at Columbia University students right before me had just um protested and and struck to establish ethnic studies there so I was able to become an Asian American studies major at Columbia um, and so you know obviously there I really learned um, 
about Asian American studies, ethnic studies. I also studied urban studies and um, I was at Berkeley for a year. So um, was able to take Asian American studies classes and, and ethnic studies classes at UC Berkeley um, before I went to college. So um, yeah, that's, <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit of a family requirement that, <laughs> that we at least take the classes if not major. <laughs> you know you wanted to major in something besides ethnic studies before you got to college or no yeah I, I came in I think wanting to do journalism um and yeah I think you know connecting with the community of students who had been part of that struggle who were graduating they were you know passing down information and knowledge about the struggle to establish the programs. Um, and so I became part of that community and, you know, I was very much inspired, obviously, because of my family's history. Um, and yeah, what I'm interested in, um, definitely wanted to, to do Asian American studies and knowing that students have fought for these programs, you know, it's important that we be a part of them. Um, but that it was a critical part of my own identity development, of me learning about my own history. Because even though my my parents created Asian American studies and taught some of the first classes, you know, they didn't like they weren't like teaching us as we were kids or anything. You know, it was kind of like just embedded in our daily life. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like you know rhetoric and like you know it wasn't it was like pushed on us, which I appreciated. You know, um, so I actually really yeah learned to to understand what it is. Yeah through my own process um and yeah i mean in new york city if you're going to college in new york city you have you know if you're unless you're you know not really not looking around um you see dynamics of race and ethnicity and power and identity everywhere um so yeah i'm very much yeah student of my surroundings and um you know, of course, urban studies and studying cities and studying the, you know, the intersection of, of cities and race and ethnicity was very fascinating to me. How did you get involved, um, like, in K through 12 education? Yeah, so actually, as a high school student, I was a student activist um, in high school at Skyline High School. And uh, we were part of leadership, you know, part of like student councils and stuff like that. Um, and in my senior year, there were um, outbreaks of, of fights amongst racial groups um, in the 90s um, in, in Oakland and different schools and public schools in Oakland. And there were fights between like our Asian and our black students and, you know, like, the white students and the Latino students. It was like there was a bunch of, of racial infighting. And at the time, being a student leader in high school, you know, we stepped up and said, what's going on here? We actually, um, you know, need to be able to learn about each other's cultures and backgrounds. We don't get to do that in school. Um, and we also learned about inequalities of education funding, right? Because some of our friends had gone to the private schools and then we, you know, were able to see the difference between the private schools and the public schools that were severely underfunded um, and really issues of education equity like rose to the top of my mind when I was in high school. 
So a bunch of friends um, who also experienced all of this um, and I pledged to come back to the Oakland Unified School District and become you know, educators and help transform our schools. Um, and so we did, a lot of us did. And so most of my friends are teachers, but I ended up um, yeah, working in the equity work. Um, and so it yeah, has been a long time passion of mine. Um, and in college, yeah, as I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, I kept gravitating toward working with young people um, and finding so much hope yeah, and inspiration um, in that work. So I, uh, after college, became part of, or actually found, helped found a youth uh, leadership program in East Oakland um, at an organization called Oakland Leaf, and then um, worked at a school called East Oakland Community High School, and then worked in many different um, after-school programs, um, a group called Youth in Focus, doing youth-led participatory action research, um, and then worked uh, actually for the state assembly on education policy. And so just got all these different experiences of working in education and just knowing, you know, from my experience, like how much work and support our schools need um, to improve and kind of come into the 21st century as well. That's really cool. Um, so you said you work with like the Office of Equity in um, Oakland Unified. Yeah. Um, can you explain kind of um, the policy that was passed in 2015 and the recent resolution just this year? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the Office of Equity was started in, well, there were programs that started in about 2010 with our African-American achievement programs. Um, so, you know, we have huge racial disparities, you know, in our in our academic achievement. Um, and so African American male students were targeted as students who really needed extra support, then they created African American female excellence programs. Um, now we have Latino student achievement and Asian Pacific Islander student achievement. Um, and those came just a few years ago. And so the Office of Equity itself was established in 2017, um, as a broader office that was going to take on, you know, equity policy. And so of course, course, part of that is looking at how our students engaged and not engaged in school, um, how our, is our curriculum, you know, extremely Eurocentric, and how do we change that. Um, and so, of course, you know, with my experience and background bringing in this lens of ethnic studies and um, knowing that there had been some critical work done um, to finally get it implemented in high schools. Um, Young Wan Choi, um, Lizzie Humphreys, uh, educators, Marisa Vegas, a bunch of um, teachers had led this work to pass this Ethnic Studies 2015 policy with one of our school board members, Rosie Torres. Um, and so they um, put forth, yeah, this plan to establish at high schools and do this ninth grade Ethnic Studies class. Um, and then, you know, that's been really successful. It's been serving you know, thousands of students at pretty much every high school now. Um, we have our one last high school kind of implementing uh, this year um, as, as out of most of the, the major high schools. And then um, this year when the controversy around the ethnic studies model curriculum came up, then uh, we, and along with, you know, about 20 or so plus other school districts passed resolutions in support of the ethnic studies model curriculum in support of the inclusion of Pacific Islander, Arab American and Central American students um, and communities in the curriculum. 
Um, and we also knew that we needed to move forward the policy in terms of implementing at the middle school and elementary levels as well. Um, so that was, you know, part of the intention of that May uh, 2020 resolution um, was to really just get moving on some of the implementation work, come up with the right timelines, figure out what needs to happen, right? Because, yeah, the work doesn't necessarily get done um, if people don't prioritize it. Have you have you noticed um, like the inclusion of ethnic studies curriculum has impacted like the academic excellence you were talking about of Black and Indigenous students of color and kind of like the correlation between that? Yeah, I believe the ethnic studies um, team here in Oakland Unified did a report, um, yeah, looking at increased uh, engagement in classes. Um, I have to look back at it, yeah, to kind of pull out some of the statistics, but um, absolutely. I mean, I've seen it firsthand kind of going into some of the classes and seeing how engaged the students are. We brought some of our um, Madison Park students to UC Berkeley for the 50th anniversary, actually, um, and pre they presented some of their work and you know the the TWLF veterans were there and they um, just were really proud of the students and inspired by the work that they're doing um, so yeah and and I've been part of the process of kind of creating the last ethnic studies um, class at Oakland High um, and just seeing you know yeah the engagement of the students in you know co-creating their own class is really exciting. Um, I'm part of uh, an advisory for the Race Policy and Law um, Academy at Oakland Tech which um, I think is ethnic studies. It's not technically you know the ethnic studies class there but um, it's pretty much the study you know of race policy and law you know in society and so that's you know very very much intertwined with power and race and identity and what we study in ethnic studies. So um, yeah, we, we shared some of that work uh, that was happening at Tech as well. Um, and yeah, I think there's a really exciting infusion of ethnic studies pedagogies into the school district overall. So for example, Yang Wan Choi, who's been leading our ethnic studies work for many years, um, he uh, helps and to implement these senior projects for all of our students. So every one of our seniors has to do a senior project by the end of you know their graduation basically. And it has to pretty much be some kind of participatory action research project in the community or you know a community facing question of how do I improve things in my community. And that to me is the root of ethnic studies, you know, as my parents have taught me, like, you know, they took the university into the communities, you know, the communities that needed help. Right. That's how a lot of our projects in Chinatown got started. That's how a lot of projects, you know, and work in West Oakland got started was through ethnic studies, bringing those resources, doing that engagement, like as part of, you know, the learning and sharing the resources of these universities with our communities and, and having that engagement and kind of breaking down the barriers between universities and communities, right? Um, so that's what, to me, you know, our senior projects are doing, right? They're, they're engaging our students in coming up with solutions of studying our own neighborhoods, right? Studying our own communities, studying our own schools to understand the dynamics, right? The, uh, that exist um, within our own communities. And to me, that's at the core and heart of what ethnic studies is. That sounds like a very important project. I really like that idea. Um, since implementing ethnic studies like 
throughout Oakland Unified. Um, have you faced any backlash from parents or members of the community just because of the implications of ethnic studies? Mm, that's a good question. Um, thankfully, I personally have not experienced um, that within Oakland Unified. Um, I mean, we have, you know, about 90% students of color. So, <laughs> and the very few white students that we have, most of them um, are more race conscious, not all of them, but um, most of them, because, you know, often they're choosing to put their kids in public school. Um, they want their students to grow up in diverse communities and learn about other cultures. Um, so, uh, we have a pretty welcoming, I think, environment for the most part in Oakland Unified. Um, I think, yeah, what came up with the May resolution definitely was some pushback from the conservative Jewish community um, who don't really quite understand what ethnic studies is, um, who are engaged in a 70-year battle with Palestine and don't want um, Palestinian perspectives to be shared, basically. So um, that was the only push setback that we received, but, you know, the, the measure passed um, over Overwhelmingly, you know, people generally support ethnic studies and, and, and learning about all of our different diverse cultures. Um, so uh, that was that was a little taste of kind of what we're seeing at the state level, um, unfortunately, around the pushback. But in Oakland, you know, we um, are pretty strong, I think, in in terms of our leadership, really getting and understanding um, why ethnic studies is critical and important. So, you know, we'll have parents here and there maybe who will say something, you know, who may not understand the field of ethnic studies, you know, but you're always going to have some detractors. So you got to just keep move, moving forward. <laughs> Can you speak to um, how ethnic studies is incorporated into the curriculum in Oakland Unified? Um, like, is it a class that's taught separately from the rest of the curriculum or is it incorporated into what we know as like the Eurocentric uh, U.S. history? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, right now it's um, fully developed as a ninth grade ethnic studies class that exists at every high school um, that is um, optional. Um, so I think in some schools it may be required, but I think in a lot of schools it's, you know, students choose into it. Um, and yeah, so there's some embedding in the existing curriculum happening at different schools. And um, there's also, yeah, kind of, you know, our own spaces that we're creating. Um, and so, yeah, the, the policy kind of needs to be updated because, yeah, we we're ready to go beyond that, basically, because all of these classes are now implemented. The 2015 policy has mostly, you know, been implemented. So how do we expand into all the rest of our curriculum, right? Um, and so that's part of the work that we are doing with um, actually now it's early childhood education to elementary to middle school. And then how are we preparing our students for that high school curriculum? Um, and so that's really exciting because we are now looking at, yeah, what are the broader, um, what's the broader content and curriculum shifts that we need to make? Um, what's the broader pedagogical shifts that we need to make as a school district in every class um, that is more engaging for our students than it is right now? Um, 
And then, yeah, looking at all of these um, subjects like U.S. history, U.S. government through the lens of ethnic studies and, you know, this, you know, growing racial racial consciousness right now in our country. Um, People want to be doing that. So how do we incorporate that? So we are actually um, going to kick off soon kind of a curricular transformation um, committee. That's like not an official (laughs) title, but basically getting together some of our instructional leaders at the district level um, and working with our ethnic cities folks. Um, our team and our Office of Equity to really begin that um, process. And so to design a committee that's going to take, you know, what's most likely going to be at least a few years to really um, figure out how this is going to roll out kind of on that broader systemic level, right? Um, So, you know, we have over 80 schools, right? So how do you really do that on a a bigger level? It's it's much more challenging Um, and we'll just take time. So right now we are in the process of um, doing a lot of racial justice training for our educators. So we started a racial justice equity and healing task force last year. um, And that started doing kind of implicit bias trainings, right? Cultural responsive teaching trainings, um, understanding, you know, white supremacy, um, you know, looking at um, restorative justice and racial justice looking at, um, you know, like trauma-informed practices with um, um, issues around discipline, right, and how we're treating our students fairly or not. So a lot of our educators will tell you that's the work that we need to be doing first before we can implement ethnic studies broadly, right, because we can't just have teachers who don't understand their own biases and privileges and understand systems of oppression, period, teaching ethnic studies, right, so it is this much more multi-year process that, you know, Oakland and the state of California is going to have to go through to help our teachers um, have the right understanding to be able to, you know, do this work with students. Um, so that in itself, it's like it's un- like unraveling hundreds of years of systemic oppression in schools and society, right? Like it's not going to just take like a year, right? It's going to take <laughs> some time. It's going to be a process um, and it will be an iterative process where um, we're raising the consciousness and, and bringing equity mindsets to the classroom over, you know, several years. Um, of course, the current movements for racial justice right now are catalyzing that work and we have you know so many more people are open to those conversations and you know demanding that they happen at every school site you know but um but still you know that process of transformation is yeah it's it's complex and it will take time so um that's some of the the work that we have to do to lay the groundwork right now so you mentioned that um ethnic studies is growing in within OUSD um what is it what is ethnic studies look like for students in lower level grades so like in elementary school and early childhood education what kind of curriculum would that consist of Mm -hmm. so yeah we have a few teachers right now who are kind of doing this work on their own um and so we're really excited to um pretty much next month kick off the first cohort um, that's being supported by the district of early childhood education 
educators, uh, elementary and middle school teachers um, to begin to build out the standards at each grade level for what this work should look like. Um, so we're really excited about that so that we can have some guidance for all of these teachers, um, many of whom are elementary teachers who have been really excited about doing this work. They've been trying to do this work on their own, but they want to, you know, have some guidance and, and resources, right, and curriculum and materials. Um, and so we're really excited to begin to build that out. Um, but we do have a few teachers who've been doing it. We have, as part of our teacher leaders for that cohort, we have um, Leah Aguilera at Sequoia Elementary. She has been doing ethnic studies in her second grade class. Um, and so she shared uh, a curriculum with me and some units that she did on um, identity, you know, with her second graders when they shut down, you know, for COVID. Um, it was all online, you know, and the students were reflecting on their own identities. Um, they were reflecting on power dynamics in the playground, you know. Um, <laughs> it was pretty awesome, yeah, that... Um, she was able to really break these, you know, topics and, and concepts down for her second grade students um, and, and have them explore that. So um, we also have, yeah, some uh, TK teachers who are kind of doing this work already, you know, yeah, talking about race, talking about color, you know, the color of our skin, right? That's kind of when students are, are coming into those conversations. So it's happening, right? It's happening in our schools, but our teachers aren't always supporting those conversations. So, um, yeah, we need to be able to do that. So there are, you know, thankfully, a ton of new books that are coming out um, about, you know, yeah, racism for little kids. And so, you know, our teachers can be using those books um, as a way to have these conversations with students, with their families, too, um, so that, you know, we can start to build those building blocks of what it means to really be, you know, a, a a conscious, you know, um, a citizen, um, resident in this country um, who understands racial and social dynamics um, that are happening and exploding right now, right? So, um, yeah, at every level we know, right, that our students are already processing and experiencing these things, but we need our schools to be able to, yeah, support them in that development. Um, do you have any advice for teachers and schools who like maybe want to implement ethnic studies but have to do it informally um, because they're not looking at the OUSD <laughs> where this work is already happening, but maybe in more like conservative um, counties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, what we did when we first started um, our first cohort of ethnic studies teachers, and that um, was led by Young Wan Choi, um, he was sharing that what they first did was really visited um, some existing ethnic studies classes, ethnic studies teachers, you know, I think both at the high school and um, university level, um, to really understand what ethnic studies is, right? It is critical to learn about the legacy and the history of it, um, and to see how it is it it is an action because it is kind of one of those things where you have to see it in practice to really understand what it is um and you know, yeah, I think many people kind of see um, this work as multicultural studies, which is wrong, um, which is, it is not, it is not just, you know, learning about our diverse cultures, right? It, it's, 
that's integrated into some of it, but it is really about a very vigorous study of the way that race and ethnicity operate in our society and how power and identity intersect with that, right? Um, so it's really important, yeah, that teachers um, understand the foundations of it, understand the history of it, um, and then, you know, adapt it for their own students and their own community, right? And so I, I'm, it's really important to me to um, have our ethnic studies teachers and teachers who are wanting to implement ethnic studies look at our Oakland history, for example, right? So in every community, there are amazing examples of how, you know, race, identity, and power have played out in their own communities, right? So I think um, looking at the demographics of your students, right, looking at the, at the social and racial dynamics of your community, um, I think build, if we can build it off of that, that to me is really what implementing ethnic studies is about. And then of course, including that community action piece is really critical. And I think it's something that a lot of our universities have lost and forgotten um, because they have gone towards more of the theoretical kind of ethnic studies um, you know, practices. Um, they've forgotten the community action piece, which was really critical for our SF State and UC Berkeley you know, OG veterans who created these programs, again, to break down that barrier between university and community, um, schools and community, um, we have to be doing that. So, um, you know, I would urge, yeah, any, any teacher thinking about implementing ethnic studies to really make sure that they understand that is a critical part of the process um, for our students. Um, so our next question is, um, we wanna know, what you think of Gavin Newsom's recent veto of the statewide ethnic studies curriculum and whether or not that's impacted you and your work that you do in Oakland? Yeah, it's disappointing. Honestly, it's been very disappointing to see this kind of knee-jerk reaction from many of our elected officials um, who don't understand what ethnic studies is. <laughs> and they think that they, they do, but they don't, <laughs> it's clear, um, because they're pushing that more multicultural studies framework, um, and that's not what ethnic studies um, is. So uh, yeah, I was highly disappointed to see that from Gavin Newsom. Um, that was the initial reaction from Tony Thurman, but over time he's met with the community and understood a little bit more um, about, I think, you know, what the ethnic studies model curriculum actually is. Um, and so, you know, they're responding to a very, um, you know, well-funded conservative Jewish lobby that um, does not want the voices of Palestinian people to be um, in our curriculum. And that's really unfortunate. You know, we have a lot of progressive Jewish allies, you know, who are standing with our communities for ethnic studies, but um, it's really sad actually to see um, that that 70 year political battle is now um, impeding the process of implementation for California students to be able to take ethnic studies um, in many, many schools and, and districts where there, there isn't any, right? Um, for Oakland, you know, we're moving forward anyway without 
all of them. <laughs> um, we're going ahead and beyond what the state is going to ever require us to do because it's just necessary for our students to develop these skills um, and for, for them to, to be reflected and engaged in our, in our curriculum. Um, so uh, we are moving forward in Arab American studies, you know, um, curriculum ourselves, right? Um, we don't need the state, yeah, for that guidance necessarily, but we are fighting for other districts who don't necessarily have the resources that we do and the and the yeah the the people that we do in our district who have been doing this for so long um, to to have access to that information because you know a lot of the communities that they're trying to keep out are really critical parts of California and they should be reflected in the curriculum. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been really difficult to see that, but we also know that there there has always been backlash and detractors from ethnic studies in every university that it's been implemented in. So I think it's not unexpected, um, but I would have um, hoped that Newsom would uh, at least engage more with our ethnic studies leaders um, before he makes decisions like that. Um, and I don't think that he has. And, and it is reflective of his own experience as a privileged white man um, who may not understand the perspectives of the majority of our students of color in our public schools. Um, so that's why we need leaders who are from our communities to be representing us, honestly. Um, so, you know, that's when it, it counts who's in office. <laughs> yeah, but hopefully um, I was reading that it won't, uh, it won't implement the implementation, hopefully, at least that's what Jose Medina is hoping that we can still implement on the timeline that they, um, we're planning just that uh, he's using it, you know, and is probably being pressured by wealthy donors, um, yeah, to not let it go forward until they resolve some of these issues around American studies, which, you know, yeah, we'll see what happens. Right. Well, history, if history has taught us anything, it's that if the government is pushing to silence something, it must be very important. <laughs> yes. <that's right. laughs> it um, is, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on? Um. Yeah, no, I think I think we covered most of it. I, I think like with the work that we've been doing around racial justice and professional development, I would just say it's so critical to um, begin somewhere. Um, that background was um, started because of a 2011 lawsuit around disproportionate suspensions of our black students. And so uh, we, were required, we were required to do these implicit bias trainings. But since then, like nobody had really implemented them until um, I came to the school district and kind of um, helped move this work forward system-wide. Um, and so I think that people are just scared of talking about race, right? that applies to ethnic studies too. And I think that we have to begin somewhere, you know, we will not provide the perfect um, training or professional development or class like right away, right? It's part of the process of beginning those conversations with our students. And I really would hope that our educators will take this opportunity to learn from our students because our students are way up on, you know, 
like social dynamics and issues around race, gender, class, all of these things, right? Um, we just as educators need to be supporting them to talk about those things, have some additional background and history and knowledge, but like it's really going to be a process of our teachers and our educators and our principals learning from our students. And if they're doing it right and they're implementing pedagogy right, that will happen, right? Because the pedagogy is that our students are the ones exploring these issues and teaching each other, right? And teaching our staff. Um, if it's a participatory model, which it should be, that's our ethnic studies pedagogy. So, um, that's what I'm hoping is that this ethnic studies work actually catalyzes the transformation of our system because it's actually teaching our adults uh, more and, and the necessary knowledge that they need to better serve um, our students to have better uh, engaging curriculum um, that is participatory, that's really empowering our students. Um, yeah, I think that that you know, this, this work has the, the potential to really transform everything in our schools in that way. Absolutely agree. And it's just so amazing to see like a real life example of this being implemented because um, for me personally, like my public school education was nothing like this. It was very like Eurocentric and yeah. um, I can only dream that I'll be like you and I can go back and try to transform something. Um, but thank you for all yeah. the work that you're doing. It's so critical. I mean, it's all this stuff, you know, yeah, I didn't get either in school and, you know, had really awful, like, you know, dress up like pilgrims and Indians, like, in, you know, in elementary, like, yeah, um, it's a long time coming. Absolutely. Like 50 years, you know, since these programs started, we're finally getting it to be part of K through 12. It's, um, it's pretty exciting. <laughs>